And what, pray, are you? said the lady, looking hard at Edmund. I'm... I'm... My name's Edmund, said Edmund rather awkwardly. He did not like the way she looked at him. The lady frowned. Is that how you address a queen? she asked, looking sterner than ever. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we are doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Kel. And I'm Chase. And we are so grateful for you joining us today. Just a reminder that we are talking uh, today about the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the second book in the series, Uh, but a general spoiler warning for the entire Narnia series as a whole, as well as a heads up that we will go on tangents into other stories. We may give you a spoiler warning, we may not, but you know, We'll do our best if something is particularly out there. Uh, But today, we're going to be discussing the third chapter of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Edmund and the Wardrobe. Oh, it's Edmund now. Yes. It's changed perspectives. It's an unexpected Uh, meeting between Edmund and his wardrobe. So unexpected. Uh, I'll give us a summary real quick. That sounds good. So, Lucy runs out of the wardrobe, yelling, It's all right! I've come back! And her siblings are like, what are you talking about, Lucy? You've only been in there for like a second. We literally just walked out of that room. So they're like, oh, she was just hiding for a minute. Nobody noticed. And now she's back. To Lucy, she's been gone for hours and hours. But to her siblings, she's only been gone for a few seconds. So Lucy tells them she's not crazy. She isn't pretending. There's a magic land inside the wardrobe. Of course, they humor her being good older siblings, and they go to look inside, but they find only coats. And they assume she's just playing a joke, and it's a good one. They got her to go look. Uh, But Lucy bursts into tears, saying that she's telling the truth. And So the next few days are just miserable for Lucy, because her siblings think she's lying. And Edmund, in particular, is being pretty spiteful about teasing her about it. Uh, After a few days, another rainy day comes around, and so they all decide to play hide-and-seek inside, and and Susan was it. And So as she's going to hide, Lucy decides to look in the wardrobe again, just to make sure she isn't crazy. And She didn't mean to hide in it, like she knew that this would only pile on to the derision from the others, but then she heard footsteps coming. She jumps inside and held the door closed. Once again, she didn't close it all the way because, of course, it's foolish to shut oneself in a wardrobe. Of course. Uh, but the footsteps were actually Edmund's, and he came in just in time to see Lucy closing herself into the wardrobe. So he followed her, planning to tease her some more about being inside this wardrobe. Opening it, uh, he only found coats. He assumes that Lucy is hidden further towards the back and uh, just thinking that he is Susan. And so he jumps in and shuts the door all the way, forgetting how stupid it is to shut oneself into a wardrobe. He's surprised, though, when he doesn't find Lucy, but instead pushes his way into dark fir trees in a forest on a fine winter morning. He begins to look for Lucy, shouting out, He was wrong, and he's sorry that he didn't believe her. Suddenly, he started to hear bells. And a sleigh drawn by a white reindeer pulled up, and it was driven by a dwarf with a long beard. And sitting in the middle of the sleigh is a lady, taller than any woman Edmund has ever seen. A dim fine woman, one might say. She wore all white, 
a golden crown, and had a long golden wand. Her face was white like snow, except for her very red mouth. She was beautiful, but also proud and cold and stern-looking. The lady stopped the carriage, asking Edmund what, what he was. He stammers as, that his name is Edmund, but she scolds him for not addressing her cor- correctly as a queen. Edmund apologizes, saying he didn't know, but she says she'll make sure he knows in a pretty threatening way, but then repeats the strange question, what are you? And the chapter ends. The theme of this chapter is belief. Now, it's at this point I'd like for you to uh, picture any of uh, the songs about belief that you'd like to and just uh, maybe silently and you know softly put them on in the background. Do you believe in life after love? Do you Do believe you... in life after love? Do you believe in magic? I'm a believer. Uh, believer, the song, uh, straight up. Uh, it's There's really a lot of good ones uh, here. Uh, but we're going to be talking about belief and the power of belief in this I chapter. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. This is unbelievable. It, it yeah. truly is. And, you know, what's unbelievable is that is no Lucy. time has passed since <laughs> Lucy came is out. unbelievable. She is unbelievable. What are you uh, talking about, Lucy? You're crazy. <laughs> she definitely seems crazy. I I got to give her siblings credit for oh, yeah. looking in the wardrobe. Like, they humor her. Sure. Not just like uh like oh stop being silly let's move on to the next one. they do go back they make an effort I I don't know I'm I'm like I'm with you I'm very like man uh, really you know and we'll get through we'll get to this throughout this podcast uh, Chase and I have slightly different views on Edmund but really the siblings do a decent job of like being good siblings here except for Edmund who's just being a sibling I but, mean like that's the thing they all play their roles well like the older two are like oh our young sister is playing a game that's okay that's good edmund who is also younger is like i'm gonna tease the crap out of my sister because i'm he's being a bum he's He's being being an older sibling sure but But, yeah yeah i i do want to give peter a little like in particular some good credit about this because uh he he has this line um, you know, they're talking about how Lucy's been creating this world uh, that, you know, you know, they all think that she's been she's like went into this wardrobe for like a second and then realized no one was coming after her. And so she came out and then they're like, oh, no, you poor girl, like you're playing hide and go seek and no one was looking for you. And Which she's like, no, like, there we've all been there. No one actually laughs at. Sure. You're just trying to like, you know, uh, she's just they're trying to make it like better for her less awkward and then she's like no i've been gone for hours and hours and they're like okay you know maybe not but peter has this really sweet line uh where he's talking about um you know her making up this world she says she's just making up a story for fun aren't you lou and why shouldn't she which is really neat considering the circumstances they're in like they're in this home as children refugees in the middle of world war ii and Peter's like, yeah, why shouldn't she make up a story and try to have some fun? And like, given everything, why shouldn't she try to have a little bit of an escape? And then Lucy's like, no, stop that, Peter. I'm not doing that. <laughs> like, I'm not telling a lie. There's a wood and it's snowing and there's a fawn and a witch and Narnia. <laughs> Which, like, to be fair, if it is her imagination, she's hitting all the marks. She's got a good big 
world building, like incredibly detailed. Her world building skills <laughs> rival that of her author. So it's cred- it's incredible. True. Uh, and by incredible, I mean the legitimate definition of incredible. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah incredible. You do not have credit here. There is no yeah. evidence for the claims you're making. Because, <laughs> like, like you said, the siblings then they're like, okay, Lucy, let's go check out the wardrobe. And they walk over, they open the door, and they're like, what's in the wardrobe? And it's a wardrobe, Chase. What? Uh, even to Lucy, it's yeah. just a wardrobe. Yeah, which those mechanics are interesting. We can get to those after we've uh, opened and shut it a few times. Sure, but sure. One quick follow-up question while we're on this part. Does Lucy eat second breakfast? Like, does the food she eats outside of time count? Mm. Because she, she's like, oh, I went and had tea and these snacks in this kidnapper's house, and it was amazing. But now t- no time has passed when she comes back. Like, if you got fat in Narnia, would you lose that when you came back? That's my main question. I assume so, because your question is really, it's really pointed, and I, I like this. Because later on in this story, these four children, Grow spoiler up. alert, are going to spend decades in Narnia having consumed many meals in addition to growing older and having, you know, adult beards and whatnot. I don't know. Yeah, it's almost uh, like this wardrobe is made from like the tree of youth or something. Almost. I don't I think that's ridiculous. I don't even think you should say that. But uh like they come back and it's not been much time at all since they were in the wardrobe. And so I guess all of their food and their, like, in their digestive system, just poof, gone, in addition to all of their, like, physical changes, because they just become the same as when they entered. Uh, But there's there's a lot of implications with this that are... Oh, yeah. I'm so curious about, like, yeah, what you said, the implications of this. Like, if I got my leg cut off in Battle of Narnia and stumbled back through the wardrobe, would it instantly regrow? Like if I became an old, old man who was on my deathbed and like coughing out my last breaths, but they whisked me through the trees at the last second, would I be young again? And then if I went back through the wardrobe, would I would it just be like a reset? Like I went and hit the reset button on the GameCube? Like what what's it's happening? a respawn point, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think that's what we have to assume. Uh, and it's real undefined and it's real, real weird. But, then, like, yeah. also, and this is a later point, but like, if time is so stopped, how long was Lucy in the wardrobe before Edmund got in? Because she was only in for like a second, but that's how long she was in this time. But Edmund goes, she's after, she is already gone when he goes in after her. But is she like there for hours and hours before he even gets there? Like, I don't know. This is this is this, this time is where mechanics. this is where C.S. Lewis really kind of he starts painting himself into a corner here because when you're messing with time in between things, if you don't keep really solid to rules, it becomes real wonky. And do you know how many rules that C.S. Lewis establishes here? Like None, Chase. Zero. Zero rules about how this works. Because in this book, they will be gone for no time at all. In the next book, uh, they will have spent um, a few, maybe a year or two, I don't know, like not much time, uh, 
Yeah. Um, What's the in, one in the where they world. come back like during recess at school? Yeah. So that's like uh, that's um, that might be the silver. Is chair. that silver chair? I think that I is think silver so. chair. But it's so it's like there's a year or two will pass now and they, or like between the next two books and a thousand plus years will have gone by or you know who knows like hundreds and uh, years where they're gone and and then of course there's a cave that goes back in time apparently and prince caspian yeah it really is wonky i mean this is why jk rowling says that her only regret is time travel in harry potter just don't like if you're the one regret unless you are the avengers don't mess with time it's probably not a good idea and even the avengers messing with time even the avengers messing with time like yeah it works out in the end but i don't know what's going on with wandavision and like we won't spoil anything, you know, because this is currently happening. Yeah, but don't like, spoil that one because I haven't gotten to start it yet. I've been busy. It's it's all just weird, Chase. We don't know what's real and what's not. And it's just I mean, crazy. I'm excited for that. It sounds so interesting. It's cool. But I'm just still mad at old Captain America because that doesn't make any sense. Don't worry about it, Chase. You're I'm worrying not, too much. Captain look. I'm one of those people who roots against Captain America and Superman both because they're too nice. Um, this is where this I'm is at. why you're I'm an Edmund friend. fan. <laughs> this is this is why you're pro Edmund and I'm anti Edmund because I root for real people with real flaws. I'm no, sorry. because you, because you're cynical and you like cynical people. Yeah, I do. I like people who are honest. Sorry that I like people who are you know Christ-like. Uh, I'm. Sorry, I'll take it up with the big man upstairs. Superman? Uh, Because he's offended you. He's not upstairs, he's actually down the street, but I mean, I guess... I mean, I'm I'm in Austin, so it is what... True, true. all this to say, uh, they have entered the wardrobe, and it's just a wardrobe, and Lucy now feels like she's crazy, uh, and I like this line... um, because they go on about their days and she's upset and uh, it goes, she easily could have made it up with them. If she had just acknowledged that, like, I guess she had imagined something or if it was a dream, but no, it says Lucy was a very truthful, truthful girl. And she knew that she was really in the right. She sticks with it. Right. And this is why our, you know, theme is belief. Lucy was a very strong Enneagram one and would would not, respect respect for the ones let's go uh and uh but like yeah she's this is where her true belief you know uh enter in like every christmas story where it's like the true believer the power of true belief right i couldn't leave her if i tried uh but it's a thing where like she is she knows what is real she knows what's true she believes it and her siblings don't right that is why that I guess the wardrobe doesn't work in this instance because they're thinking about it not working. Um, later on, Edmund's going to enter in and I don't understand the rules there. But, you know, whatever. But she knows what is real. She knows what's true. Yeah. Uh, but she you know, is upset for days about it. Days. Which and, like, so here's our time thing. Days have now passed. But do you know how much time has passed in Narnia? Like, day like the same amount i guess yeah it should be centuries centuries at we're, least. we're we're on an equal timeline if you're not looking uh um, whatever be selective with your time cs but, but so yeah. we make our way past lucy to the character who we all want to talk about and i mean 
I could have talked about Lucy a little bit. Oh, longer, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was no, just proceed. gonna ask. So she's upset for days. She is especially upset that Edmund teases her. Sure. Have you ever had someone make fun of you too much and you couldn't handle it and you got butt hurt? I have, and I decided to like that's that's when I started developing my own defense mechanisms <laughs> against being made fun of because <laughs> I don't like it. That's when I developed a sense of humor. <laughs> the fact that I am sarcastic, it was because I got made fun of, and I was like, you know what? I'll just be smarter and funnier than you. That's yeah. the only thing I can do. <laughs> no, I'm gonna prove you wrong. That is also a defense mechanism. Which is, definitely feels true to form for someone who is in a communication and like truth-telling field. Uh, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I felt for Lucy here because I, as a kid, was definitely someone who got butthurt really easily. And it just made me think of like my dad's friend who like it was one of those families that you like go on vacations with and you're not right. sure like how we even know them, but but here we are. Um, but he had a sense of humor, and as a kid, yeah. I did not, and I didn't know how to take a joke in the same way I do now, for the most part. Um, but yeah, like nowadays, I like to give people crap. I know you're my friend if you give me crap. Back then, wasn't that way yet, and he made me so nervous to be around. Sure, because I could not handle though like teasing, and I was like just in that literal frame of mind of like. No, that's not true. Like it's actually this, and like see, I just couldn't, I couldn't hang. See, but here's the deal for me. There's a limit. Like even in developing all of the defense mechanisms that I have, and knowing that people are joking or whatever, there's a limit between your you're being like you're razzing me. You're kind of just like having a fun time, and now you're just being a jerk. Like you're now you're yeah. just not enjoyable to be around. And I've had to have this conversation. I know you have too. We both work with students. We work with students who don't necessarily understand social construct and who are not socially aware. Who, I'm not very good at social cues. And so it's like, I've had to have many conversations with, with people and students in particular of being like, Hey, what you think is being funny. Other people think is being mean and they don't like being around you. Because they think you're mean. Yeah. And it, it is tough because mean can be funny in a different context. Mm -hmm. To me, it's all about relationship. Like, if we sure. have the relationship for you to be mean to me, it's funny. If we are not friends and you're trying to be, like, that kind of funny with me, I hate you. Absolutely. But then... Even with relationship. And this is where I start getting into the like, it's blurring the line with Edmund because he has yeah. this close relationship with Lucy. But also, even with people who are close to me, the people who are closest to me know that I have insecurities. I have things that like, if you poke this one button, if you like go down this path, it will set me off. There are certain things where I'm like, I don't like to joke about that. That wasn't as funny as this other, this other comment you made. And so Edmund is aware that this is making Lucy go crazy. She knows that she's classic. miserable. Cla this classic. is a very classic older brother move. But also, it says that he's being spiteful, not yep. being funny. He's being spiteful. Yeah. Uh, and, like, honestly, though, some of the comments that it makes are kind of funny, where it's like, 
he's asking her if she found any new cover, uh, any new countries and other cupboards all over the house. Which <laughs> that's a solid joke. Solid joke. Solid and roast. This is why I have sympathy for Edmund here, is because I think it's spiteful from Lucy's perspective. It might not be. necessarily from Edmund's perspective. I think he's just making jokes at his sister's expense and that's just being an older brother i don't think we should hate edmund for the parts of him that are just being a sibling there's going to be plenty of times where we can like comment on his mistakes i just want to be fair to him in the ways that we criticize him and acknowledge where he's just being a kid or just being an older brother like let's not hold like an eight-year-old to a 20-year-old standard He's at least nine or ten. Oh, sorry. I mean, I can't tell how <laughs> no, old Lucy they, they, is because she really could don't, be six or could be nine. They really then, don't say. C.S. Lewis, master of clarity. Uh, clarity, subtlety, Lewis is, uh, I believe, his name. But yeah, he, the, the illustrations so, make them all look very young. Yeah. So it's again, it's one of those things that like. It's a blurry line for me where it's like he could be spiteful. He could be just being an older brother. Later on, with similar ideologies, he will knowingly be spiteful. And so I think we have to remember that like he could be being sarcastic, but this is also part of his personality. And this, at least for now, he will get better. He will yeah. have a redemption arc. Uh, but right now, he's either being sarcastic or spiteful. And we'll let the, we'll let the listener decide. Uh, but Chase, we were wrong a few episodes ago. We clearly have not seen the movies in a I've, long time. I've never been wrong. I refuse. Well, never been, never lost, never lost. Uh, I've never so. lost. <laughs> hey, hashtag keep counting. Uh, just kidding. Stop, <laughs> please don't. Um, Did you just say to stop the count, Cal? I just want all this to be done. Uh, it's been done for a little bit now. Agreed, for sure. But um, so we were wrong though, because we thought that you know the the whole, we we made you know some questions about whether the movies uh, how they entered into the wardrobe and whether it was hide and seek. We got our stuff mixed up, and the movies are really faithful. Or at least this movie is really faithful, and. Uh, they actually start playing hide-and-seek now. Uh, and so we, I want to apologize for our, you know, our mistakes in not having, in trying to remember this movie off the top of our heads when we have clearly not watched it recently. Uh, yeah. But, eh, we're wrong yeah. sometimes. The movie does get one thing wrong, but we'll see that at the end of this chapter. We'll get there. Uh, uh, I, want, I, I apologize for my apologies but not, you know, or for, for things that I'm wrong about. I but not apologize things that I'm... for Kel's apologies. Chase, I hate you. Uh, whatever, let's keep doing this podcast. <laughs> uh, but, so, they decide to play hide and seek. Yep. And then, it's a, like, it goes out of its way. Like, C.S. Lewis goes out of his way to be like, Lucy didn't mean to hide in the wardrobe. She it was really an accident. She she was just happened to be in that room and happened to go in the wardrobe. Yeah, which like ridiculous. I can get the need to like double check and see if you're actually crazy or not because her siblings are over here gaslighting her into thinking that a sure. Narnia, understandably so. But yeah, because they have checked the wardrobe themselves. the The timeline for checking to see if you're crazy or not 
is inconvenient for not looking like you're still caught up on this because you're literally playing a game where you hide Correct. and you go to the one place that they know that you're really butthurt Obsessed about with. for being inside. It's, yeah. Like, they would have found her instantly either way. Oh, yeah. It's, but yeah. All that to say, she's accidentally hidden herself in the wardrobe and thus begins a roller coaster of a few paragraphs in terms of shutting or closing or opening this door to the wardrobe. It's a madhouse. Yeah. Because I think I've got I've got questions, but I think I get the gist. I think so too. But I just want to like I want to walk through this real quick. So it says she keeps the door open because everyone knows, obviously, that you don't shut yourself in a wardrobe. True. Especially a magic one, potentially. Right? Everyone knows this. Common knowledge. It's foolish. Uh, Two plus two is four. Don't shut yourself in a wardrobe. Don't do it. Right? So she keeps the door open. Edmund, being wanting to be spiteful, (laughs) goes in after her because he's wanting to, like, he's wanting to joke around about imaginary countries again. Classic Edmund. Again, this is a good joke. I respect this joke. Funny joke, but taken too far. It's gotten to the point. But so he he says he opens the door. Now, I'm assuming that this meant he just moved the like partially cracked door open, but it says he opened the door. So this is either inconsistency or it's just like, hey, maybe you should have clarified your verbiage here. But then does that trap Lucy and Narnia? Like could have. You we don't know. Because C.S. Lewis says nothing, right? But then it says, he jumped in and shut the door. Forgetting what a very foolish thing this is. Edmund, everyone knows that you don't shut yourself in a wardrobe door. Everyone knows this. To quote the queen in the next chapter, (laughs) it's clear that you're an idiot. That Whatever you are, you are an idiot. Man, talk about roasts. But then, Uh, thank the heavens. Uh, like a few sentences later, it says he decided to open the door again and let some light in. Oh, did he? I didn't even see that part. Uh, yeah, he he. It says he decided to open the door again, but he could not find the door. Chase, he couldn't find it. Uh, and so you know he's he he's like gro- This is how he makes his way back into Narnia. He tries to open the door, but he's shut in. This is a roller coaster chase. This is a. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know you're checking oh, your book right now. He decided to open the door again and let in some light, but he couldn't find the door. Right, either. exactly. So the door is still closed at this point. The door is still yes? closed. Yes. Okay, so the mechanics notes that I've made still hold up. Yes, don't cool. you worry. Whew. Don't yeah, everything's good. But this is a roller coaster here. This is this is it's wild, a wild stuff. ride. This I is a wild believe. ride of shutting or opening a door. Could have been disastrous because everyone knows you don't shut a wardrobe door. This is uh, common knowledge. Don't man. do it. Anyone who's listening, if you've ever been in a wardrobe yourself, don't lock yourself in. Yeah. Which, like, shout out to C.S. Lewis for being, like, a wise, smart person here. Be careful that children know that they shouldn't shut themselves in Because, like, look, just like everyone knows if you're playing a violent video game, you're immediately going to go out and, and murder people. That's what I do. Like... C.S. Lewis knows that if he writes children playing games inside of wardrobes, 
they're going to imitate it. So it's a good call just to limit the C.S. Lewis trust from legal exposure when kids do inevitably <laughs> go play inside wardrobes. He tells us that Lucy is smart because she knows it is very foolish to shut oneself inside a wardrobe, as we're told in every single chapter so far in this book. I think it has come up in every single chapter. Then Edmund makes a stupid decision to close the door all the way. Foolish Edmund. The narrator literally calls him foolish. Uh, It's it's a good call. If anything goes wrong, C.S. Lewis can say, I said they shouldn't do it. The I words mean, are on the page. I agree with you. But, you know, given the book and three chapters that we've read so far, <laughs> I don't know. It's been said five times. Like, I, don't, I don't know how concerned C.S. Lewis is with liability because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. At this point, it's a bit. C.S. Lewis is doing the joke where he's going to say this over and over again until it's not funny anymore. Liability for getting stuck in a wardrobe. <laughs> But very, but a lot more egregious things like kidnapping, whatever. Oh, is don't fine. worry about that. <laughs> as hey, long as he's a friendly hey, hey, goat kids, man. <laughs> if you meet a guy in the woods, go home with him. If you meet a lady in the woods, get in her car. It's yeah. fine. Like liability, Lewis over here is <laughs> is not doing himself favors. But don't get in a wardrobe and shut yourself in. God forbid. It's it's the important things. This is sure. the '50s. This is before you actually worried about things like kidnapping. Sure, sure. But you do worry about wardrobes. It's oh, well, like that's just pra- common sense. Wardrobes were basically like the quicksand of their time, where it's like, hey, this is the thing you should worry about, but you will never have to worry about. I mean, it's kind of like when everyone saw that last Indiana Jones movie and started shutting themselves in refrigerators. That's how you stop a nuclear explosion, Chase. Apparently. That's what I'm going to do whenever all of this, you know, goes to, uh, you know, goes to a bad place. Um, Oof. So, oof. Uh, So, all that to say, Edmund can't find a door, so he decides to search around, and he finds himself... In a snowy forest. What? This is crazy. Yeah. I feel like this is a good spot to talk about the mechanics of the wardrobe door. Sure. Let's do this. So just so people who have not just read this can track along with the way it seems to work. Closed partially or all the way. The land of Narnia is there. Open all the way. It doesn't work. How open can the wardrobe be before the magic shuts off? Who knows? Um, I think it's like a leaky faucet situation where if you don't turn it all the way, it still drifts a bit, so the magic mm. still flows. Um, why is it the same if Lucy leaves the door cracked and Edmund shuts all the way, but not the same when like the door is cracked but Susan opens it all the way? Not really clear. Where's the line? What's in the box? What's in the wardrobe, Chase? I think for me, when I'm looking at the mechanics of this wardrobe, I think it really comes down to uh, one word, and that's convenience. Because C.S. Lewis, I don't think... Are you saying this is a plot device? (laughs) I think, this is what I'm saying, is this is a plot device. He needs kids to get into Nardia. There's a wardrobe. But he also needs there to be some tension. Let's use the same wardrobe. 
Ah, uh, yes, I have heard tell of a doorway from the land of men to <laughs> Okay, we'll get we'll get there. That's <laughs> yeah, a whole other thing. I, I'm mad about that. That'll be next chapter. Stay sure. tuned for next week. Stay, <laughs> woo, that's what we like to call in the in the business of podcasting a hook to keep yes. you on the line. This highly profitable business that costs <laughs> me fifteen dollars a month. <laughs> hey, no, it's lucrative. Uh, Please send money. <laughs> I won't tell you where, where and I won't tell you how. But send it somewhere. Put it in the mail. Put a crisp dollar bill in the mail. Send sure. it this way. Or, you know, if you leave can a, find me, I'll send it back a, to you. Leave a comment on our Instagram posts that just says $15. Uh, and we'll get more traction. So it'll help Everyone, us. Everyone, hold your GameStop stocks and. <laughs> invest and in, send them to me <laughs> invest in chronicles of podcasts uh but uh so this is edmund he's in the snowy forest yes the, the mechanics of the wardrobe are existent yes somehow there it worked. is somehow it works <laughs> and sometimes the mechanics is it worked it worked this time so edmund uh now is aware that lucy is right but he like most people who don't like being wrong is not great at apologizing because his apologies are kind of like it's not what he actually needs to be apologizing for okay have you ever gotten a real apology from a nine-year-old like Uh, i demand them chase (laughs) i mean i stand there over them and say say you're sorry like sorry and i say that's not good enough say you're sorry I'm sorry. And then I go, Almost for there. what? <laughs> Tell me why you're sorry. I'm sorry for saying you were alive. Look, I think we should give Edmund a little bit of credit for unprompted saying, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Here Chase like, is trying to make Edmund a good character when he's a snitch. Look, when he's again, a bad brother. <laughs> we will have plenty of time in this book to talk about Edmund's bad choices. I don't think he's perfect. I don't think Lucy's perfect for t- trusting a random stranger. Lucy is a saint. <laughs> She's also Lucy really dumb. Is a human and <laughs> She's a child. Also super should dumb. not be glorified. No, she's also very dumb. But, but, uh, but yeah. he he apologizes and he says, I apologize for not believing you. Not for being rude, not for being mean, but for not believing you. Which is something. I'll but give you something. Not believing her is the way he was being rude and joking. Like that <laughs> was that that was the thing that got on her nerves, is that she felt like people thought she was a liar. Not necessarily that like he was teasing her even, but that she felt like she was, I mean, they were gaslighting her, but like, I feel like this is at least a good start. Whatever. It's something. Can't hear him. But but he's immediately, immediately he's going to like kind of detract from himself. And to be fair, later on, I'm pretty sure he does lie about it. So he will, he will. But I do want to give him credit in this one instance. But then he immediately goes, just like a girl, oh, yeah, I do sulking have... somewhere and won't accept an apology. Yeah, I do have – this This is what my notes say. Credit where credit's due, paragraph space, bad Edmund. <laughs> <laughs> just like a girl, said Edmund to himself, sulking somewhere and won't accept an apology. Mm. But the main thing I want to say about this very sexist statement is that 
I have known so many more guys like this than girls. Like, oh, yeah. Maybe this is just that the girls I'm friends with are really cool people, but I know a lot of whitey guys, and I don't actually know a lot of whiny girls. And I honestly think that in some ways our society trains girls not to express their discomfort because of this trope in this book right here. But, like, guys get a free pass to complain all they want. I'm guilty of it. Log in my eye. I complain constantly. But down with the patriarchy. Boo, Edmund. Boo. Boo. That's all I have to say for Edmund at this point in time is boo. Uh, But... After he, you know, expresses his toxic masculinity, he then sees... Maybe he is related to Uncle Andrew. <laughs> Maybe there is some sort of relation. It only went to Edmund. It, but, you it know, skips a generation. Or or few. Maybe these are Uncle Andrew's grandchildren. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, Chase. You're... We don't know what happened to him. Maybe he quartered someone in the billiard room. No, no, no. We're not going there. <laughs> no. Uh, uh, but speaking of that, transition. Is that Janus's music? It is Janus's music. We see, wow, a beautiful sledge, which like called a sleigh. Like, come on. Like, sledge just reminds me of Fledge, and now I'm upset again. Yeah. But he sees a sledge being pulled by two, like, snowy white reindeer. Which uh, apparently look like Shetland ponies. Which they're, like, or, Shetland Does that mean they're tiny. smaller and fluffier? Like, I... I like, they're, they're, so they're being pulled by tiny, fluffy white reindeers. These are pulled, miniature or, rain, rain-a-doodles. Rain-a-doodles. Uh, and then they're, it's driven by a little tiny fat dwarf. Uh, and in the passenger seat, is a beautiful, tall, elegant-looking woman who is pale, like snow, except for her mouth. And Chase, white obviously, face, red mouth, prideful, <laughs> cold look. Is that Ed Sheeran? What? But uh, he is also, you know, white face, red hair, so it's similar. Uh, but she is—is is Ed Sheeran Jadis? So. This is this is our good old faithful Jadis, uh, the White Witch. So faithful, so good. So, eh, well, faithful to some things. Uh, being a terrible person, super faithful to it. Yeah, but, really good at that. But so apparently, a few few observations, real quick, from this is first, girl needs some vitamin D. Apparently, she's true, just becoming true. paler and paler. This is kind of her own fault. She's made it made in an eternal winter. Like you ask for, you you receive what you get, you know, uh, and so. Second observation is like apparently like it, it goes to it goes out of its way to say that like the only thing that's not pale is her lips, which are like blood red. And like, did the apple that she ate stain her mouth? I mean, like, that's what it looked like. I thought she'd be able to wash her face, though. Like, uh, take a shower, Jadis. Like, on, I know had, you've had centuries. I know that you're an evil despot, but like, have some good hygiene. Uh man. There's a lot of evil despots that need to have some hygiene. Um, one thing that stood out to me here, do you remember her wand being gold? Like, Chase, the movies have messed with my memory on this one. In I, my mind, she has an ice wand. I, that's what I picture. And I think an ice wand is But also, she has fitting. an ice crown in the movie. Whereas this, I mean, I'm just going to read this. So She's wearing a golden crown and carrying a golden wand. Mm-hmm. And... 
which for one thing, Edmund, buddy, how did you not pick up that she's a queen? Like she was either going to be royalty or a fairy godmother. She's not granting you any wishes. So I think it's pretty fair that she, that he should assume that she's a queen. I think but also like both her and her servants are wearing matching polar bear skins with gold accents. This is a whole vibe, but also Dude. were these talking polar bears? Are there any polar bears left in Narnia? Justice for did, bears. did they have any Coca-Cola with them or Klondike oh, bars? True, we true. don't know. That's what's in her vial. Mm, um, a warm Coca-Cola. Gross. Also, just going to point out with the whole fur thing, is she wearing the skin of her citizens? I mean, define her citizens to her. I mean, every, everyone's under her and she can do with them what she pleases. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if she wanted to murder all of them, that would be justice in her mind. Yeah, she can do whatever she wants. She's the White Witch. I mean, sorry, Queen. Uh, Peta, get on Jadis. Her mouth is already red. Might as well dump some more red on her. Mm. Boom. Take that. Uh, Yeah, As to to note on your observation stuff with Edmund, I think we'll see that Edmund is not the most observant guy. Um, You know, add that to his list of negative qualities, but we'll get there. I just want to take a little bit of a moment to analyze the first interactions with Edmund and the first interactions with Lucy in Narnia. So Lucy, we already dove deep into this, so there's not, we don't need to, you know, analyze the the kidnapping as of this moment. Uh, But she has a very pleasant exchange with a fawn, little goat man. Uh, It is never hostile you know, except for the part when he admits that he's kidnapping her. But that's later on. Uh, It's a very kind response. There is a reason, like, as much as we got on to Lucy for being, like, foolish, like, there's at least, like, some appeal there where it's like, this guy is being kind to her. Yeah. And, like... It's like if a Hufflepuff tried to kidnap you versus a Slytherin. Right, because the we look at Edmund's first interaction. The queen is never doing anything that seems kind or warm or appealing. She is rude. She is demanding, and then she's dehumanizing at yeah, best. She asks, "What are you?" Which is never a thing you should ask a person. If you have like, ever said that to a person, repent. <laughs> like rephrase your wording at best. Like, "Hey, what do you do?" Uh, if you're wanting to know, like, hey, what are you? Like, I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. Maybe yeah. say, like, what do hey, you do? What do you do for a living? What do you ha- like? What do you spend your time doing? Whatever. I mean, what are you just feels offensive and probably racist. Yeah. Don't say that to people. Don't just don't do it. Uh, so, like, these interactions, I think, are telling of their experiences that they're gonna go in in their adventures individually in Narnia like Edmund is going to be kind of ruled by as we'll see fear Um, he's going to recognize the power and authority and respond to it Lucy is going to be responding to warmth so Uh, faithful recognizing the power and responding to it mm, kind of Uh, (laughs) he he does but not as he should Um, but even still Edmund, very confused, as I think he has a right to be, because this woman looks just like a huge human, like a very yeah. tall human. Yeah, I didn't uh, find a woman. Um, but he, he he goes, I don't know, what you mean? I'm Edmund. <laughs> <laughs> His response is so, so good for, like, 
a young boy. <laughs> it's so like, funny. It, it's just so awkward. And that's the best. What are you? It's uh, so true to for, uh, I'm Edmund. What, uh, what are I, you? Uh, I'm in holidays from school right now. <laughs> what do you What do you mean? Yeah, it I it was funny. But uh yeah, I mean I think you're right, but I think that's more on who they each meet than it is on the actual kids themselves and their personalities. Cuz like if the first person that Lucy had met when she stumbled into Narnia was the White Witch, the story would go very differently. Um, like, and who knows if the witch would have figured it out in time to not be super rude, because that would probably be a turnoff for Lucy. But also, like, given given Jadis's experiences with females in the past, yeah, she'd probably be really rude. Yeah, Jadis is. Not a feminist. Uh, definitely doesn't think women should be allowed to talk or do anything unless it's her. Sure. It's a, uh, yeah, such an interesting dynamic. But yeah, just a weird, weird first two experiences, and I'm glad that we get to d- like dive deep into this experience next chapter, next podcast. Yeah, which like, gosh, <clears throat> talk about gaslighting, but we'll get to that. Uh, count. Is there anything else you want to hit on before we go further up and further in in this chapter? Let's, let's do this. Uh, I'll start, and then because I know you've got some good stuff to go into. Mine, uh, my further up and further in is the magnetic pull of fantasy. Uh, and in most stories that you're going to read of fantasy books or um, you know sci-fi or adventure novels or whatever, there is there seems to be a a uh, like a magic invisible hand that is pushing our hero to go do what they needed. Like, you know, if you know the hero cycle, uh, there's there's always something that prompts them towards going to do the thing that they need to do, going to the place that they need to go to. Uh, and and I think that's what we see here uh, with uh, first with Lucy and now with Edmund is this, this pull into Narnia that is unexplainable um, that somehow in, in Lucy's mind, it is this irresistible pull into Narnia it's magnetic she just needs to be there she needs to go there and then Edmund though it says that he's doing it to be spiteful to be rude to be funny whatever that he is irresistibly pulled into Narnia as well but almost given the fact that of like how he entered it he enters into a much different situation where Lucy is entering in with wonder with uh with this sense of uh, of awe and adventure and she meets a fawn and she has she finds it warm and friendly Edmund enters in uh, irresistibly in with this mindset of cynicism, and he finds who the White Witch. Uh, when you see Luke, uh, he's going to be pulled into uh, fighting in the in the Star Wars movies because his family is murdered, and so he is now going to go and join the rebellion. Uh, he's going to go try to blow up the Death Star. Uh, Frodo in the Lord of the Rings, he's given a ring but doesn't know what to do with it until. Gandalf, you know, kind of sends him on a quest. And he says, I don't want to do this. And Gandalf says, neither do anyone uh, when they find themselves in these situations, but it's how you handle yourself, right? There's always this, this pull into the story that you are meant to live, the adventure you are meant to go on. Uh, and I think that's what you start to see in this chapter. The call to adventure. Some would say, some would say. All right. 
I just wanted to talk about the idea of uh, truth and fantasy. So this chapter really pivots on assumptions and perception and truth claims. Uh, I mean, Lucy claims that she's been in a magical world for hours, whereas her siblings, to their credit, examine her claims to the best of their abilities and find nothing and assume that she must be making it up. Um, Edmund, when he finally finds his way into Narnia, has to admit that Lucy was telling the truth. Fantasy as a genre is often predicated on this kind of access to secret knowledge that isn't accessible to the general public. Um, like, for example, Ben Kenobi showing Luke the ways of the Force, Hagrid telling Harry he's a wizard, uh, the claims of existence of dragons and White Walkers in Game of Thrones. Like, there are those who discover and believe in magic. I mean, believe was our theme today. And then there's the normal people living their normal lives who can either seek to join in on that discovery or they can reject it for the sake of their normalcy. Like, this is why the beginning of the Harry Potter books, like, basically repeat every other line how normal and, like, compulsively normal the Dursleys are because they're resistant to the intrusion of magic into their world. Um, the invitation of fantasy, though, is to not always believe your eyes. Sometimes you have to keep digging and hoping and believing that something amazing could be true, even if you don't completely understand it. Even if you go back to the wardrobe and nothing's there this time, like... But the extraordinary always comes at the expense of the ordinary, and this chapter asks whether we're willing to be like Lucy and go back to the wardrobe even once more, just even though everyone else says it's crazy. Um, and yeah, this is why we open these books back up as adults, because we're like, oh, there's something to exploring these worlds of magic and adventure and and just joy even though these were written for children and like we probably don't need to it, it there there's something that we find there when we do it again and again and that's why we're doing a podcast you could say absolutely well chase we've entered into the wardrobe and we will not shut the door because everyone knows that it is foolish to shut the door on a wardrobe and it Wait, is foolish crap I, I think I shut it. And I no, 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 no. It. Don't, don't worry. I found it. I had, I had a flashlight on my phone because oh, cool, we live cool, in 2021. Cool. Uh, and does so, cell, does cell reception work in Narnia? Uh, it's spotty at best. Okay, cool, cool. But I've opened the door so that we can find our way back to this podcast, and so can all of our listeners. Uh, uh, listeners, if you can go find us wherever you found us previously, go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, wherever it is that you are enjoying us, leave us a five-star rating. Uh, go follow us on Instagram at Chronicles of Podcast. Uh, go comment on our posts. We try to have some fun with it. Chase does some great work on designing some funny posts and making some good commentary. Uh, we'd love to, for you to interact with us and join us as we keep moving forward into Narnia. And uh, maybe uh, maybe next time you can grab a little box of Turkish Delight and, and join us as we as we discuss Chapter 4. But until then, have a great time. Bye. Yeah. I mean, the first thing we see when we pull in is just like a pack of moose. Pack a pack of, of mice. Mice. A pack of mice and men. Mice and men.
and of Wait. course we had to pull over and see how close we could get to them openly defying the signs posted 10 feet away saying do not approach the wildlife that is a much more stereotypical bachelor party thing to do than helping I mean, a woman on the side of the road to be fair we weren't the only ones doing it 